passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We want a dynamite from the most recent sight. AEW, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the buck stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Dynamite. It is John Pollock here alongside Mr. Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. Hey, John. How you doing? I am doing well. I am doing, I'm doing very good. We've had a very busy, action-packed evening featuring the debut of AEW in Toronto, in Canada. And one of us attended the show. The other got the, the live viewing experience at home, uh, which I, I will have several uh, uh, observations uh, to share and... Uh, Many stories coming out of tonight's edition of Dynamite, I'm sure. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great, yeah. I mean, I can't wait to hear your live perspective. But, you know, I, I was there partially for the, for the day. You certainly got a vibe of the experience of the crowd, and you were there for uh, for quite a bit. Hawking out merchandise like uh, nobody's business way. If they left with a moment, it was getting a coffee sleeve from waiting at the Coca-Cola Coliseum. You know, doing my best to spread the word about post-wrestling to our local audience here. And I want to thank everybody who decided to make it out to Tim Hortons. Uh, look just, at this. If this if this image does not encapsulate five years of post-wrestling, <laughs> I mean, look at this. This was, honestly, it was a fantastic turnout. We had like 25 people show up uh, at Tim Hortons in a random parking lot in downtown Toronto. Uh, probably, <laughs> look at this. I haven't even seen any of this stuff. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it, this is notoriously, it is an awfully designed parking lot at the best of times. So when you add a bunch of uh, people just randomly drinking in the, it, like people were trying to navigate around each other here uh, with cars and people. It was a disaster, but hey, everyone showed up in full force. And I would say with, with all due respect, way, I mean, you and I, I think, have very uh, healthy egos. There was one person that I think got the most shout outs of, hey, where is so-and-so? I think take a bow, Hanzi. I mean, he was in high demand, in uh, live and in living color. Got to meet Hanzi. Got to meet his brother. Um, so it was a, it was a good time. A lot of uh, a lot of uh, faces to names uh, for different listeners to to see. We had quite the the post crew that was out for this as well. Yeah, uh, there's Ernie. Ernie B. Detroit was there. Who's Brandon Who's from that? New Jersey himself? John Cena and even WH Park, Mike Murray, of course, the BDE, they all made appearances. So even Damian Abraham was there. God. And Dr. Alex Patel. So hello, everybody. And thank you all for saying hi. And uh, hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed meeting each other. Yeah, hopefully I, you guys are all partying and up singing Judas at the up next after party right now. 
Yeah, um, the after party for Dynamite is beginning now as we speak with uh, Braden and Davey. And if he does get back to me, we might we might get a live hit during Rewind Ooh, the Dynamite live I, from Sneaky D's. I thought about asking them for it. So wonderful. Great thing that you did that. Well, he hasn't responded to me yet. So we will uh, we will t- look at this. This is my highlight. This this photo with you and Brandon from New Jersey is oh, is I, everything. I, I, Finally I got, in the flesh. I, I had some I had some good Toronto centric humor for for one Brandon from New Jersey. I mean, uh, j- just a contagious personality that Brandon. He's taking uh, over the city. Yeah, but I want to thank everyone that uh, showed up, whether it was at Tim Hortons or came up to us uh, at the show just to say hello. It was it, honestly like we haven't gotten out to too many of these events in the last three years, so to mm-hmm. see people in person, uh, I, I cannot tell you what a. Um, an unbelievable experience it is to hear people in person just that, hey, we listen to you on the way to work or just anything like that. It's just uh, in-person experiences with, with listeners. It's my favorite thing. So I really uh, appreciated uh, tonight just getting to see so many people. Agreed. But if you weren't able to make it today in Toronto and you live in the New York, New Jersey area or plan to be there, on November 19th, uh, you will have your chance to say hello to the post-wrestling universe, including the two of us, as well as Braden and Davey and a bunch of other people who are already RSVPing to get to this place because we have our post-wrestling five-year anniversary show taking place on November the 19th in Newark, New Jersey, the weekend of AEW Full Gear. Tickets are on sale right now at postwrestling.com slash live. Uh, they're already up there. $30 gets you in. $50 if you want a VIP ticket that also gets you an event t-shirt as well as access to the meet and greet afterwards with a bunch of post-wrestling personalities. Um, if you thought today's gathering was big, John, wait till you see a month yeah, from now. Yeah, we're going to be rolling out the uh, the post-royalty that is going to be showing up at this event, but some big names in the post-world will be here uh, at the the world-famous QXT's nightclub. So, yes, tickets are on sale now, postwrestling.com slash live. Again, $30 gets you access to the, the Q&A portion, the opening with Braden and Davey, and then $50 event t-shirt and a special meet and greet. And we're only putting a few of the VIP tickets out there so that we can have an experience with all of the uh, the people that uh, opt to go that route. So tickets are on sale now. Once again, postwrestling.com slash live. And we look forward to seeing many of you uh, that weekend and it is full gear that same night and we are going to be just minutes away from the prudential center where the event where the event is taking place so you can hang out with us and then make your way over grab something to eat and then take in the the full gear pay-per-view that night it's it's certainly walkable from the event to full gear so we'll probably all make that walk together at some point all right on the site coming up this week we have got Mm -hmm. the finale of she hulk is this a series that we know it's its future beyond uh, this season way? No clue. No oh. clue right now. Yeah. So this could be it or this could be just season one. We will find out. Mm. But the season finale is uh, out now. And you guys are going to be chatting about this on Thursday yourself. I think it's out? out. It's out tonight. Like in, it's out in a few hours from now. So by the time most people will listen to this, it's out. Yeah. Okay. I won't spoil it then. Um, but we have Rich Fan, WH Park. And since it's the finale, that means they assemble. With waiting and Nate Milton, all four of you coming together at the uh, the post round table, the square table. That is correct. In addition, um, the rest of the post wrestling universe, because we'll be doing that show live uh, as usual with our finales, are available for all post wrestling cafe patrons. And uh, I believe we're going to do 10 p.m. Eastern time. Let me just confirm. I really should know know this really well. Uh, here we go. 
next Thursday. Yes, 10 p.m. Eastern time. I will send the link out a little bit later on. Uh, everybody can join us for StreamYard and to to get their thoughts in about this this season of She-Hulk. All right. Uh, I unfortunately will not be able to make it to MC later. I was invited. I watched the whole season and uh, was ready for this, but I will be at Rampage on Thursday night. So maybe uh, if you are down there for night number two of two, uh, Come, come say hello. Just don't ask me to do a uh, Gabe Sapolsky night two in in person. So, uh, someone, you someone actually, you someone was actually asking me about my impressions at the in in the line today and asking Ooh. if I would do uh, talking about doing a one man show. I was like, I don't, I don't think, probably not a one man show of impressions. Wow, I'd love to. I would pay to see that. The archivist would pay for that, and that's about it. We got um, plenty of yeet, my dogs, from all the patrons. So thank the, you. All the yeets were out in full force. Getting yes. the uh, secret code sent. Uh, yeet, my dog. Yeah, the first time, including one man who was incredibly timid in saying, uh, "Yeet, my dog." <laughs> like he, like it was. So I was giving out like you know uh, ex- ex- exclusive merch for all the patrons, and the secret phrase was "Yeet, my dog." And and this poor guy like wanted to say it but it was just like so difficult and i can understand it's not a very easy thing for a grown man to say i am i am so bad with identifying like names with faces there were like several of them like i went up to alex patel just to say hello not realizing who it was and then it clicked for me about five seconds in i was like oh man it's alex patel it's like yeah dummy it's me um but yes, uh, lots of lots of uh, familiar f- uh, faces at this uh, at this meet and greet. But yes, uh, so that's happening on Thursday, Friday. Way and I will be together for rewind rewind to SmackDown at 11 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so much like tonight, I will have a live perspective of Rampage, and then we'll uh, we'll watch the televised version as well as SmackDown. And then of course, WrestleNomics Radio coming up this weekend. And for cafe members at the Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso levels, a special thank you bonus show from Way and I that we have put out small talk 40 minutes of way and i just chatting about life its difficulties its blessings all of that over the course of 40 minutes the uh, the highs and lows behind the scenes of some of our famous arguments we got into all of it uh on the special bonus show so that is out for double double ice cap and espresso members and rewind away we'll be coming back next week so that's going to be on the uh, the menu next week yeah if you like talk this is just a smaller version of it, exclusive to all of you guys who support us at the highest tier. So thank you all for that. Uh, look for that in your feeds right now. Let's get into the news of the day. And subject number one, we start off with a story from The Hollywood Reporter uh, that is uh, very much following all of what's going on at Warner Brothers Discovery. And this comes a day after there were uh, layoffs at Warner Brothers uh, Discovery. But uh, today, uh, they posted an interview with their chief content officer, who's one of the the two people that they spoke with, uh, a woman by the name of Kathleen Finch. And in this interview, uh, specifically brought up was AEW and the fact that they are going to be, uh, at least in the planning stages of trying to come up with some shoulder programming for AEW. Um, she was asked about kind of the, the role that sports programming plays. And Finch stated, quote, we really play in the sports space. One of the things that we're doing around sports is creating shoulder programming to hold on to those fans. AEW pulls huge numbers. So we are working with the wrestling team to figure out what new kind of content can we build that's not in the wrestling ring. And, you know, part of the... um Part of the mandate for Kathleen Finch is developing new programming for TNT and TBS. This comes as they are trying to save something uh, around $3 billion in costs after the merger. So as you're seeing all this cutting going on, they still are in sort of the the scripted um, 
development space and looking at professional wrestling like this is historically programming that you know we look at the amount of money that even a WWE is making and this is still a very you know affordable uh, amount for some of these networks especially when you're talking about the uh, the amount that you get per year and and the kind of audiences that they pull and this would certainly suggest that they see AEW as value programming and enough that can we siphon off um not so much siphon but extend those viewers into finding other programming so we have seen them dabble into reality programming with AEW and this would seem to be something that they are actively looking at to the point that she is publicly revealing that mm-hmm. yeah i think if you're you know somebody who was maybe initially concerned seeing all these cuts to warner wondering what the future means for AEW's growth maybe comments like this will have you you know be a, a lot more assured about how much this company seems to value a property like AEW's, which is on the one hand relatively inexpensive and uh, you know uh, fantastic in doing in, in in performance in ratings. Um, it's interesting for me to try to interpret what shoulder co- programming might be. Of course, you know, roads to the top was something that they were already experimenting with and, and invested in. So. Uh, there seemed to be some rumblings in it. Like I remember from months past about like them filming something with the roster that was similar to it, but I, I haven't heard anything about it since. I'm also curious, like if, if shoulder programming might be defined by like, it's kind of like, you know, panel coverage, like similar to what they might do for other sports. It's, know? yeah. I mean, you would certainly look at kind of the, the reality side and maybe, you know, a, kind of a glimpse into this is when it, when it comes to programming, like one of the things they kept bringing up is like, we want to develop our own Yellowstone, which is, you know, even the interviewer brought up. It's like, yeah, probably every network would love to have a show that has such a, uh, a gigantic following attached to it. Uh, but Finch l- stated later in the interview, imagine a scripted show set on a deadliest catch fishing boat or in a gold mine or or uh, in the sports world. We've captured an audience already. So what could we do to dovetail from a content standpoint that idea into a scripted format that would work on one of the Turner networks? So essentially taking what is non-scripted programming and developing story-based programming. That sounds like pro wrestling to me. It kind of is sort of that that perfect marriage there. If you can take what you are doing for two hours on Wednesdays and one hour on Friday and take from that certain characters. And so, so now what, what does this tell you about the likelihood of, for instance, a ring of honor or more AEW in ring content possibly being picked up? Well, I think the fact that they specifically noted outside of the ring, like mm-hmm. do they want to necessarily add more professional wrestling traditional professional wrestling programming you would think that by this point like it has been something that has clearly been pitched to to them to add ring of honor and they have not bit at least as of yet that there is no no one deal here but is there is there something that would it would it be interesting to develop a series based around the idea of ring of honor that is much less like a traditional wrestling show and more more reality based that you could still build to to pay-per-views through. I mean, much like a, an ultimate fighter was not the idea that Dana White wanted. He wanted Tuesday night fights and mm-hmm. it was the, the way they developed the ultimate fighter. It was like that was a compromise and that ended up being a non-traditional combat sports show, not anything really like Tuesday night fights in the traditional sense, but it ended up being a great inroads for so many new fans to be created. Like, Drive to Survive is not, like, 
typical racing programming. It's something completely different. But you say drive to survive. Yeah, everyone would love to snap their fingers and have their own version of that. Very different when it comes to execution of that. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've had those things in the wrestling space. We've of course had tough enough. This person um, in the chat room brings up TNA gut check um, and, and things of that nature. Um, AEW doing sort of a contest based reality show in, it hasn't been done before is, has the, has the time kind of passed for that style of TV? Um, can they do it right? Can they do it enough in a way, in a way to attract an audience that I, I would say has been pretty oversaturated by in-ring content these days. So um, I'm very curious. Let's see. Yeah, I think at the very least, you look at this as like a positive sign of they understanding the value that AEW brings to them. Obviously, when it comes to sports, their number one priority will be the NBA when those rights come up uh, in the next while. But, you know, AEW is something that it is, you know, a reasonable amount for them, even with a, a big increase. And when you're looking at expanding, I certainly take that as a, as a, a positive sign from the outside looking in. Staying kind of in that in that front, we go to television ratings from the past couple of nights. The season premiere of Raw did a very good number, 1,824,000 viewers and a .55 in the demo. Um, this was their, their best numbers going against the NFL this year. And also the third hour holding up very well, only dropping 9% in the audience. They had a terrible third hour last week, but this week, you know, holding off DX until the end, Probably helped when it was a surprise that Brock was showing up. But once he did in the third hour, I'm sure that that had some excitement attached to it. So they, you know, it, it was a third hour that that performed very well. And and this was going against the Monday Night Football game that was just on ESPN. So they had a very, very large audience uh, for that that they were going against. But they were up uh, huge amounts uh, across the board. Really, it was only 50 plus that didn't have a gigantic increase from last week. But this was... Um, this was so strong way that it correlated to Canada, which was Ooh. also up big from last week. This was um, both in Canada and the U.S. It was their best numbers since September the 5th. And for Raw, it was sec- the second most watched uh, sports event in the country on Monday ahead of the or just behind Monday Night Football as well. So very rare that we get U.S. and Canada in agreement in terms of their numerical outcomes. What would you attribute? The biggest reason for this. I I certainly believe that Bray Wyatt had a factor to play on this. I think the season premiere in and of itself, coupled with DX, I think that created, I think that certainly held them for that amount of time. But I think you have to look at a few factors, Bray Wyatt and coming off the pay-per-view being uh, p- part of that as well, for sure. Mm, I would say so. Are you expecting a out of the ordinary number for Friday that SmackDown is going to get a a healthy boost from usual numbers? Do you sense the momentum for Bray Wyatt that we've had for other other instances over the past few weeks? I think so. I think so. I think all indications seem to point towards, you know, the, the big Bray Wyatt um, announcements leading to um, results in, in ratings or at least interest in something like an Extreme Rules or attendance in, in the case of Extreme Rules. Um, and I can see it certainly continuing for Friday, which they made a pretty strong push for. 
Also from Raw, um, Brandon Thurston had the quarter hours, and the big home run segment was the crossover from hour one to hour two with the Judgment Day segment that led to the return of Gallows and Anderson uh, appearing in the ring. Uh, this was the high point in both viewership and 18 to 49, um, spiking like very noticeably for that crossover segment. Uh, the low point was the second to last quarter, uh, which was the start of Riddle and Sami Zayn, but that quarter also contained two ad breaks, which is going to anchor the numbers somewhat. And they did recover to a respectable finish for the final quarter. But yeah, it was that Judgment Day segment that did very, very well on Monday's episode. It's the Dominic effect, I'm telling you. The Gallows effect. I mean, that too. Yeah. Yes. NXT on Tuesday night, they had their most watched episode since October of 2020. For a Halloween Havoc special, 737,000 viewers, 14th for the night on cable, uh, up 18% from last week, while the demo was up 17%, and um, a nice increase in 18 to 34 as well, and um, 50 plus was up, that's always going to help the overall viewership, but... The competition on Tuesday, they were going against the Major League Baseball playoffs. And for the last half hour, they were going against two playoff games. Plus, it was the opening night of the NHL season. So you had um, a higher than usual like NHL audience on top of it. So I would take this to be uh, a very strong number. 18 to 49, it was only their highest of the last several weeks. But in terms of overall viewership, like this was a year and a, almost two year high for them going back uh, to October of 2020. How do you explain this? Is it just the buzz coming off of the season premiere overall? Is it like nobody could possibly be expecting Bray Wyatt to show up on NXT? No, it was. This was not a show that had anything big attached to it that you were promoting ahead of time. Like the matches were just it was just standard fare. Like next week, they're building up to be a very important NXT where it's all the surprises. There's going to be main roster people showing up. Um, But this one, um, you you just have to imagine like there is just uh, there must have been something that just drew people to uh, Tuesday night. And I really can't put my finger on it of what was so enticing. Uh, for this week, maybe match number three between Nathan Frazier and Axiom. It just really cut through the noise on Tuesday night. It was like, you know what? Opening night of the NHL, Major League Baseball playoffs. No, I got to see Nathan Frazier and Axiom in the, their best of three series come to a conclusion. That or the or seeing oh, Roderick goodness. Strong. Please uh, tell me you watched this. I have not seen it. I've heard oh, all about it, but I have goodness. not seen it yet. I It will be the first thing I do right after this show. This is one of the best worst segments I have ever seen. It was uh, it was something else um, to the point that I think they were aware of uh, what this was. It, uh-huh. It's just I Braden and David did a great job of uh, re- recapping this. Okay. Um, but there you go. That was NXT. So next week it is the Tuesday night. Are we calling this war? Is this a battle? Is this a standoff? What what is Tuesday going to be designated as? Is, is it the Tuesday night sprint? At this point, I would say it's more of a Tuesday night passing by, you know, um, the Tuesday night passing by the. Uh, yeah. Hi. Uh, like it's like running into somebody. I don't know. At a mutual friend's party. Um, you see each other uh, on the other side of the room. You might have had a history with each other, but you don't n- intend on having any sort of conversation. You might just nod at the person and then go about your own way. Well, NXT is showing up at the party with. Their their hot new partner, 
and they're going to make out in the middle of the ro- the room for the X to watch because they are bringing in uh, the the heavy artillery. It looks like so. Roxanne Perez is going to go to SmackDown this week to choose an opponent for Cora Jade. Cora Jade will go on Raw Monday to pick an opponent for Roxanne Perez, and then Cameron Grimes is going to pick two partners. Outside of NXT to team against Joe Gacy and the Dyad. So we are going to get pro- – and uh, Tony D'Angelo is picking an opponent for Stax, Channing Lorenzo. So we are going to get uh, five mystery people showing up on Tuesday. We will see if they reveal any of these names ahead of time to jumpstart the, uh, the promotion for Tuesday. But they are loading up this episode, which is also the go-home episode for Halloween Havoc next weekend as well. And given um, the fact that Dynamite is going to a different night of the week, um, you know, I, I certainly don't think that NXT is going to threaten uh, Dynamite when it comes to the demo. But it's been so long that I think I'm ready, Way, for another um, overall viewership versus 18 to 49 anger debate, debate. On, on Wednesday, which maybe we will get. And who is the, the true winner on, on Tuesday night? We, we shall see um, what, how little I think the, the audience may have learned over the past three years. Might be yeah. a whole new crop of viewers that have come in now that did not experience uh, mm-hmm. October 2019 through April 2021. Mm-hmm. And maybe they will get a, a fresh shot at it. But that's Tuesday. Dynamite is countering with the Moxley-Hangman Page match and adding tonight uh, Tony Storm against Hikaru Shida and some other segments as well that have been announced. So we will talk about that. And then at the end of the Tuesday night passing by will be the uh, the newest episode of Tales from the Territories, which um, very good episode I thought on Tuesday with the Jerry Lawler-Andy Kaufman feud um, that they discussed, which uh, – did very similar to last week. A little increase in the demo and 111,000 viewers. So this this is not the same level that Dark Side of the Ring is doing. Um, it, it's very niche. Um, and, and I don't know if, um, you know, even following these programs necessarily, you know, an audience is watching NXT and then flipping over to Vice. But the shows are, you know, entertaining if, you, if you're into just old stories with different people. And uh, the AWA is the subject matter next week. So... Uh, while we're talking about next Tuesday night, we are going to have a, a passing by with Braden and Davey next week because we'll be going head to head with Rewind to Dynamite and up next next Tuesday. So you have to you have to choose your loyalty next Tuesday night. And uh, we will It'll talk just about like old times. Yeah. Overall viewership versus the demo. Uh, and we'll we'll have a whole breakdown of that Wednesday, I'm sure, on the site. But Way and I will go live next Tuesday night and uh, cover Rewind to Dynamite. And because of that, we're going to delay Rewind Away until Wednesday. And we'll put that out for cafe members so they don't uh, collide with the releases. So there you go. A Tuesday night edition of dynamite somebody in the chat room brings up the vince mcmahon documentary which was initially supposed to be it was originally reported that it was going to air that tuesday night apparently it is not airing that night on vice and the air date is unknown right now so yeah Mm -hmm. not not going to be airing next tuesday night all right um Beyond that, we will uh, move on to just a few other stories here. Actually, one more to go with. Uh, New Japan has released their brackets for the uh, World Television Title Tournament. That's going to begin on Friday. They're doing a free show on New Japan World. So once again, the concept for this new title is 15-minute time limits and... 
They stated it's going to focus on younger talent, but as you can see from the brackets here, sort of of a, of a mix. You know, they are going with the hot young prospect uh, Toriyano that I know is <laughs> finally going to get his uh, his his big break here uh, in New Japan. But the first tournament matches will be on Friday with David Finley against Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and then headlining that show is Alex Zane and Zack Saber Jr., which is a very interesting match. And um, Alex Zane headlining Corakuen Hall on Friday. Then Saturday, Yoshi. Hashi will take on Jeff Cobb. Aaron Hanare will take on Evil. Uh, and then Sunday, it's Sonata against Taichi and Hiroki Goto against Kenta. And uh, the other uh, first round matches, rounding things out Tomohiro Ishii against Ren Narita, which sounds terrific on paper, and Toru Yano against Great Okan, which uh, does not sound as terrific. And this will work its way up. The semifinals will be November 5th at the Battle Autumn Show in Osaka, and the finals January 4th at the Tokyo Dome to win what is Wei Ting's most revered uh, championship title design in recent memory. Who will get the back support? We'll that see. is the big question. Who will wear this thing to support their lower lumbar region? Uh, any Anyone you're isolating here, Way? I, I would go all the way with Ren Narita. Well, the fact that they're promoting this as, as I, I suppose, something that is you know geared towards uh, highlighting somebody younger, yet putting people like Tomohiro Ishii in it, simply seems to suggest to me that they, they just need the bodies to create a tournament out of. And ultimately, you're probably going to get somebody of the younger side winning it. So I think Ren Narita is probably the best choice looking at this. Um, maybe David Finley, you know, um, personally, I think I would go with Narita. Yeah. It's an interesting bracket given the fact that, you know, you really like they, they're flat out comparing this to the high speed division in stardom, which are just Mm -hmm. action packed, nonstop action. And, um, I I don't know if this, these opening round matches are necessarily going to showcase that, but we will see. We will see what this uh, what this tournament brings out, and once you get to the the, the final four, kind of what the uh, the makeup is uh, to get this across. But yes, fifteen minute time limits, and there is your your bracket that we will uh, see over the next several months to crown a brand new champion in New Japan. So we can just have top to bottom championship matches. What the world needs more of. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Tonight, AEW was at the Coca-Cola Coliseum. Did you see Taz walk into the Coca-Cola Coliseum with a giant Pepsi like he stated he was going to last month when tickets went on sale? I did not, no. He said, I'm going to walk in there to the Coca-Cola Coliseum with a giant Pepsi. That's what I'm going to do. That's extreme. Man doesn't give an F. So tonight... I get to sit back. Uh, Way was uh, gracious enough to do the uh, the play by play tonight, so uh, I will uh, chime in. I did take uh, pretty rigorous notes. I'm not going to lie. I was uh, I was seated by myself. Um, 
I do not think I was necessarily in a media section based on um, the the people that I was around, but it was an interesting human observation that John Pollock uh, performed. And much like when the first Nitro took place way in Toronto, I bought a ticket and I went by myself. And here, AEW's first show in Toronto, there I was, seated by myself. And you know what? Almost every seat was full inside this venue. It looked packed, with the exception of the seat to my left and the seat to my right. It was one of the most glorious viewing experiences that I had no one sitting in the seats next to me, and I could not believe it. You know, oftentimes I would say people kind of go to to be around other people and and John John Pollock, dude. I just want my room. Okay, (laughs) give me my space. I loved it, dude. As someone who has gone to movie theaters that are three quarters empty and people have come and sat right next to me, this was glorious. Okay, to be in a venue like this where I'm going in under the expect expectation that it's rammed, it will be packed, every seat will be full. I was almost feeling bad that John was going to have to sit alone, but I mean, it sounds like you had a great time, which which is which is really awesome. I will say. It was a stark contrast to going to Buffalo last month. This had such a party atmosphere. There were so many acts that the the crowd was into, the chants that they had going. Like it was a lot of fun just from that side of things of how many acts that they were into. And like it was just a crowd that was just having the the time of their lives. And dude, there was a group next to me. They probably supported um the beer industry of Ontario that they will get through their next five fiscal years through profitability. I mean, just, um, I never looked next to me and did not see a a beer can stuck in, in their hand. Like they were, they were completely replenishing themselves at will throughout the night, but that's, that contributes to the party vibe, I guess. As they should be. I mean, you know, people are going to have fun. Like, what is what is the difference here? We're only about an hour and a half away from Buffalo. Why why is the vibe so remarkably different? Well, n- number one, it was a lot more people here. I mean, not quite double what was there in Buffalo, but you know, several thousand more. I think you know, all told, there's probably seventy five hundred to eight thousand in attendance for this show. When all is uh, said and done, we'll get the uh, the final figures in a few days. Um, but it was also, I think, honestly, in Buffalo. It still felt like this weird um, cloud hanging over things just days removed from all out. And I, I do feel there was like a bit of like a down vibe that it was like AEW's coming off this really terrible uh, public blow in and losing so many of their big stars on a show that um, I, I definitely felt that. And there was some great wrestling at that show in Buffalo. Don't get me wrong. Um, I had a good time going to that. But in terms of some of the shows that we have watched where we have talked later about, you know, the crowds that almost sell new markets on wanting to go to be in that crowd. That's what tonight felt a lot more to me of watching an AEW show in person that felt like the the product at its hottest that I have watched on television. Did we see anything dark before Dynamite? So getting into this building um, was a 25-minute ordeal where I was sent to different gates, and then it was just bottlenecked, and I'm in this line forever, and then I see these guys 
storm past me, like just to my right, and they just make their way to the front of the line and get in, and there is the ringleader himself, Braden Harrington, leading his crew, <laughs> and dude, they got in in minutes, and I'm just sitting here in my line by myself, and then eventually I, I get it. 25 minutes I waited in this line, so I missed wow. half of a dark elevation, but the... uh uh do we need to go through results here, or no. is, is is that going to upset people? Uh, I don't elevation. I don't know. No, who? Nobody. Just tell us. Tell us. It's fine. Well, we had uh, the results here: uh, Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford defeating uh, Jeremy Prophet and Jessica Leary. Uh, Frankie Kazarian was in a match. Uh, did not catch uh, the name here. This is from PWInsider.com. Athena beat Jody Threat, local talent. The Butcher and the Blade beating the Voros Twins, the uh, the TikTok stars. And then I got there for Jay Lethal and Sutnam Singh defeating uh, Dylan Davis and Junior Benito, who's a regular for C4 Wrestling in Ottawa. Um, Amy Sakura and Serena D beat Madison Rain and Sky Blue. Um, Rain got a cutter for a near fall, and then was uh, it was Serena D submitting Madison with the Serenity Lock. And then the final match was the Gun Club beating the Bollywood Boys, who came out and got a very nice reaction. They had their own video coming out, and huge chance of Ass Boys. And it was a famouser. They lifted up, uh, I think it was Gerv, and uh, hit him with the big rig uh, to continue their feud with FTR with the guns beating the Bollywood boys. But uh, the Bollywood boys, I I have always enjoyed those two together. They were really great with uh, Jinder Mahal. It was nice to see them uh, get a look here and uh, coming over from the West Coast as well. Like, it's not as though they were just, you know, local in Toronto, but uh, bringing them over from the West Coast for this show. Mm -hmm. Good to see them get a shot. I could see them certainly popping back up. So let's get into AEW Dynamite here. I'll be taking over the reins for this part, and uh, John will chime in with the live perspective. We start the show off with the AEW debut of Rene Paquette, who uh, I guess there are many rumors and discussions about her possibly signing with AEW, and they are certainly true because she debuted here uh, just with the microphone straight off of the opening. A uh, big surprise in her hometown of Toronto, Ontario. How was the reaction for her, John? Huge. Yeah, they were. Tony Khan came out right before the show and like hinted that we're going to be starting off the show with someone that you're very familiar with here. And I think and he had put out the announcement already about Renee. So everyone knew she was going to be on the show. So timing wise, it works out really well. Obviously, the Toronto debut makes a lot of sense. And then next week, she's in her new hometown of Cincinnati. That is correct. Yeah. I wonder if she'll get the same reaction in Cincinnati. But maybe it, it was perhaps. pretty loud here. I don't know if uh, Cincinnati will, will replicate uh, Renee. So Renee, reaction. Renee introduces to us to another fellow Ontarian, we should say. Christian Cage comes out. He describes himself as the face of Toronto and, in fact, the face of Canada. He says he's going to guarantee a victory tonight. The same type of guarantee like the Leafs guaranteeing to be losing in the first round of the playoffs. That's Which there were some cheers when he brought up the Toronto Maple Leafs. Kind of went went with the uh, the old reliable insult instead of the fresh one with the Blue Jays. Well, on commentary, he actually did bring up the Blue Jays and okay. and then blowing up the the, the seven run run lead. But that I I feel like would have stung a whole lot more. So I would have certainly gone with that one instead to the live audience if that was if I was him. Nonetheless, uh, both teams getting equal attention uh, about how. Poorly, uh, Toronto teams have been performing, unfortunately. Really heartbreaking for the Jays. He introduces his right hand of destruction, Luchasaurus, as we get to our first match of the evening. Jungle Boy 
versus well, Jungle Boy Jack Perry versus Luchasaurus. You can see here Jungle Boy in quotes as they are now slowly transitioning to the Jack Perry name for Jungle Boy. Christian is on commentary. As I mentioned, he made some crack about the Jays blowing a seven-point lead to lose the wild card. Crowd seemed very hot for Jungle Boy on commentary, would you say? For Christian on commentary? Uh, Jungle Boy. Sorry, sorry, Jungle Boy. Uh, not on commentary, but just Jungle right. Boy in general. Yeah, I, it was interesting to see. Like, it was Christian. They, you know, he got, like, a nice reaction coming out, but they quickly... This was not a bizarro world crowd by any stretch where they were picking their favorites over the established baby faces. They, this was a the, very pro the, Jungle Boy crowd. Not for this match, with the exception of Chris Jericho, I was going to say. Jericho, They. you're right, you're right. They did uh, They did shift gears there, and it almost seemed like they were expecting that one. But I would say for, for the large uh, majority of the show, though, it was the, the reactions you would expect in any major market. So Jungle Boy is targeting Luchasaurus' arm in the early portion of the match. They end up fighting on the apron as Jungle Boy sends Luchasaurus through a table set up on the floor with a sunset bomb. At this point, Christian gets upset. He's calling this a DQ. He walks towards the ring just to intimidate Jungle Boy Jack Perry. And I think that at this point, the crowd was chanting Edge is better. Is that right, John? Yes. Uh, Not an an easy thing to chant. I mean, sure, why not? You know, Edge is better. Yeah. Luchasaurus sets up, uh, is set up in the inverted tree of woe as Jungle Boy goes for some sort of running thing that Luchasaurus ca- counters with the head scissors. Luchasaurus is still working with an injured arm, so he hits the choke slam with his left for a two count. Crowd seemed very hot for this on TV. Luchasaurus then sets Jungle Boy up, up in an electric chair, but Jungle Boy counters with the poison Rana into the kill switch, getting another two count. Jungle Boy then has a snare trap, but Christian. On the floor distracts as Lichasaurus comes back with a super choke slam and then a burning hammer inverted DVD type of thing for the victory at 14 minutes and five seconds. How is this match live, John? Really hot. The fact that they like this crowd, they were chanting for tables and they got into all the big spots like the Sunset Bomb got got a huge reaction and they were really behind Jungle Boy uh, throughout. I thought it was like a really strong match to start the show off with. And then you did the the referee distraction at the end, which I think if you are watching it week to week is sort of becoming way too predictable of just having the referee be incompetent by by the end of it and you were getting like cat calls for the referees as as the show went on but it was a minor thing overall i i enjoyed this match quite a lot and it started the the show proper of dynamite pretty strong with a very very hot crowd it is a match that I, I think at, at some point we might have expected to take place on pay-per-view, just given the length of the build between these two and obviously the the tenure of, of the relationship between the two. But um, I don't know if exactly this feud has felt that hot for me recently. So I think cashing it in, at least the first chapter of it on TV, I didn't mind at all, uh, especially in front of such a hot crowd. If anything, it seemed to maybe elevate this and probably made it feel like a hotter feud than it might have been up until this point. Um, so with Christian, it certainly made sense. Do you think the feud continues? For sure, yes. I think they, it's going to be very difficult to extend this to whenever Christian is ready to come back. It seems like that could be a while, and maybe that's the thinking here. Luchasaurus wins to continue this on, because once Jungle Boy beats Luchasaurus, there sort of isn't any more adversity for him before he goes for Christian again. So um, I, that's going to be the uh, the balancing act here, is extending this program until whenever, whatever Christian's timetable is to come back, because that's the... That's the match. 
We see Renee in the back with the firm. I believe this was um, Stokely with uh, um, Ethan Page. Ethan Page, thank you. Uh, They are approached by Matt Hardy and Private Party, and Matt Hardy appears to be upset because the firm has now purchased Private Party's contract from the AFO. Ethan Page challenges Isaiah Cassidy for a match on Rampage, and if Cassidy wins, then their contracts are free. But if Ethan Page wins, the firm also owns Matt Hardy's contract. So clearly, you know, maybe maybe this was proposed by Nick Khan. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Somebody needs to give me some clarity about how law works in the AEW universe. Okay, like who currently owns Matt Hardy's contract, and how is it suddenly just up for grabs? This this is Does how Tony Khan have no say in this. This this is the modern interpretation of independent contractors. The contracts could just be put up. That's that's yeah. how it works. There's you you can own people. You know people people who listen to these shows know how much we love contract battles in our professional wrestling, and uh, clearly AEW's been listening because we've got more contract battles. This time, not even involving Mark Sterling. Um, so the match is Isaiah Cassidy against Ethan Page. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Matt Hardy is just his contract is on the line, but he's his, not wrestling. His contract is on the line as well as private parties. I'm already turned off by this. I was so turned off already by like anything involving Matt Hardy with the, the AFO, private party with the AFO. And now they decided to separate them from Andrade. I mean, that might indicate something too. The fact that Andrade is no longer a part of this, even without like he was, this was his storyline. And, and Jose just, was there. Like they are attaching Jose with the firm here on the, their side. Well, they have to negotiate the deal, of course. Where Where is his contract belong? Jose's? Yeah, the <laughs> I don't fucking know, dude. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> does everybody, does he even have a contract? I don't know. It could be in a different language oh, one that he goodness. can't translate. It, it gets very complicated. But uh, so in, in seemingly putting Stokely and, and Ethan Page now in place of whatever they were working before. I don't care about this. Just settle it. Okay. But enough with the contracts. Um, seems like they're really building up this Man Hardy private party reunion. I don't know who's clamoring for it, but sure. Give it to us. Great. Up next, we've got QT and Nick Camarado taking on War Joe. QT is really unimpressed with the name War Joe. No, you just take the, the, the two parts of your name and you put it together. War Joe. Did his anti-Canada speech air on television or was that just during the commercial break? I don't believe so. What, what did he say? He came out. I didn't think that this aired because it felt like just a dark promo to get uh, booze. He just came out and said... Um, Thank God it was three years before we came here. And uh, based on this crowd, I'm going to make it 20 years before we come back again. They're like, boo, we don't want to wait 20 years to see AEW again. You know, that probably was a lot better than War Joe. How did you get War Joe? Like that sounded like a way better promo. Um, So the match happens Big throws from Wardlow to to Nick Camaroto, who's a very big man, so these look pretty impressive. Joe holds Camaroto down for Wardlow to deliver a big senton on Tomiko, and then quickly into the Kikina clutch for the tap. Only two minutes and 29 seconds here for the uh, poor uh, factory uh, getting getting beaten up here. But just a quick win for the babyfaces, showing a bit of tag team chemistry this week between uh, Wardlow and Samoa Joe. And uh, they seem like a team that received a great reaction tonight. I think that the like Wardlow and Joe, I th- I think it's like a, a 
a good direction like for these two like they have their singles paths but you can also put them together and it's a cool just kind of two two monsters that come together I think like there's there's a place for this uh, to have these two together. And yeah, the audience was into this. They really got into the Powerbomb Symphony. Uh, and yeah, it was just the one Powerbomb before the embassy came out. The idea of pushing, you know, two guys that are holding singles gold right now as a team, um, you wouldn't necessarily think it would make sense. Uh, but I think in this case, it it does. I think it really helps Wardlow, who, you know, We've kind of seen is 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 at this point, no pun intended, a little bit one note um, in what he's able to offer, and I think therefore hiding him in a tag team setting somehow makes him feel that much more special because you're only setting him up for those big spots, um, setting him up for you know delivering a big senton. Um, it, it, it's giving Joe some much needed airtime and presence on AEW Dynamite, which is a good thing. So this is this seems to be kind of like their heavyweight like monster tag team, which um, I'm kind of excited to see more of after the match. As John mentioned, powerbomb symphony uh, is attempted on QT Marshall. We only get one powerbomb though, before the embassy interrupts and they are a cup, of course, accompanied by uh, the gates of agony, uh, Prince Nana and Brian cage cage says, nobody wants to see these powerbombs the same way. Nobody wanted to see these two get involved in their FTR beatdown last week. And out comes FTR uh, big ovation for these two. I notice. Um, including um, c- clearly a man with with wonderful taste, John. Um, in uh... <laughs> <laughs> do you have uh, those? Yeah, I do. I'm trying to pull them. Also, th- there was a sign in the front row of a guy who said, "I paid my I paid my ticket to support Dax's family." Okay. Uh, shout out to, to Rob McDonald, uh, oh, one, Rob of the, one, the man. one of the people who, who were helping us hand out some of our uh, post-wrestling coffee sleeves. And among the people that received them were FTR themselves. Look, well, at, look, look, at, look at Dax holding an actual coffee cup with the post-wrestling sleeve on it. This is the okay. Dax, very nice pose. Cash Wheeler, though, born pitch man. Like, look oh, at this guy. No doubt. He looks like he is so happy right now. This There's... is the pinnacle Pardon the pun of his career, getting this this post wrestling sleeve and 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 look, he, he's got the belts on. Roth, <laughs> he took the belts. <laughs> you know, these two have had a banner year. They've they've received a lot of awards, but I, I feel like this, this is probably the, the greatest, the, the biggest moment of look the year at these for them. Guys, total baby faces. So, so thank you, Rob, Rob, for uh, all your help, along with Scott, our other volunteer today. So thank you guys for that. Um, so, but getting back to this, Dax grabs the microphone. He says they don't want to ask Joe and Wardlow to work again on Friday. Of course. So they have the perfect partner to go up against the embassy. Rampage starts at what time? And they're they're saying ten. And I thought Preston Vance was coming out. And oh my god, I totally forgot. I, that's who I thought 10. it was coming out. And instead it's like, oh of course, it's Sean Spears and it's the Pinnacle back together here. So they they own the Pinnacle IP, not MJF? Uh, I don't know who owns the contract. Maybe I, I don't know. that was negotiated. Many factions Jose ago. or Stokely or, or, or Mark Sterling. Sean, Sean Spears comes out. He's a baby face. Now he tosses Aaron Solo into the ring. Big rig to Aaron Solo. And uh, I guess um, they had, I don't know if you noticed this slide, but like Spears and Wardlow had a little moment in the ring where they looked at each other and mm. clearly a lot was communicated by a single stare because all those weeks of chair shots and just, you know, getting in, in, in poor Wardlow's face as part of that MJF feud. All part of the past, all forgotten about. They're all friends again. Or Spears turns on Wardlow or something in the in this match, and they, they play off of that. Oh, goodness. 
Well, well no, uh, Wardlow isn't in the match. They're just, they're just. Oh, fans. that's right. Wardlow's not in the match. It's FTR and Sean Spears. So yeah, it's yeah. Spears in Canada. They felt make him the baby face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I sure. Why not? You know, bringing the pinnacle back, bring Spears back. Uh, he's been out of action for quite some time. So we'll see. We'll see. You know, he's an AEW original who, who like has been here for a long time and, has had some presence, but I just I, I wonder what what the ceiling is for him. Tony so, Schiavone, you were going to say? I was just going to say that's two matches we've got for Rampage now. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Tony Schiavone is with 2.0 and Chris Jericho in the back. Uh, 2.0 said Daniel Brian Danielson made this personal with them when he tried to poach Daniel Garcia from them. Jericho says that Brian forced them to hurt his little brother last week, and Garcia hasn't even returned their calls. Jericho is going to out-wrestle Brian, and he's going to leave the T-Dot as the Ring of Jericho champion. Now, I don't know what the reaction to this live was, John, but I hope in the back. I hope maybe at whatever after party that Chris Jericho is at in Toronto right now, somebody informs him that. I don't think people here have said T-Dot since, like, the early 2000s, you know? It's been a long time that we have moved on from the T-Dot, but uh, that was that was uttered here. It didn't get a negative response, but people certainly did not pop for this <sighs> reference. I guess it is the six now, but even that feels like it's it's pretty passe at this point. You know, I think every decade we need something new. Yeah. Do we have a, an updated? I'm the time. wrong person to ask. Maybe you can make it up right now, John. Oh, that's too much pressure for me. Okay. All right. <laughs> maybe up maybe next. Max Castor will come up with. Uh... Well, he certainly had a few um, local country-specific lines tonight. Because up next is Swerve Strickland taking on daddy-ass himself, Billy Gunn. Uh, those who missed Billy Gunn's look, presence look on national TV today, uh, this week, certainly got plenty of Billy Gunn today. Huge reaction for the acclaim, right? Um, yeah. And, 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 and I mean, they had, we had already seen the acclaimed in, in the dark match earlier today. But here comes Max Caster with the rap here. He talks about Gunn being about to beat sneaky swerve um i don't have the rhyme so it's not going to sound as great but he basically said he gun is gonna beat up strickland so that he's bruised blacker than trudeau um <laughs> that got the loudest was for the austin matthews line but the shocked yeah. reaction was certainly the pierre trudeau uh, reference to his, his Justin, 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 Justin Trudeau. Sorry, not Pierre Trudeau. Yeah, yeah Justin yeah. Trudeau. I think we still like Pierre Trudeau. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that was certainly like, I, I mean, for for a Max Caster line that definitely like you know is, is supposed to be edgy. I actually thought it was quite brilliant. Talked about Ho and and Hoser and something about putting you on the ice like like Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So yeah, which got the easy pop at the end. Big oh scissor me daddy chance here. Billy Gunn builds up to taking his shirt off, and that in itself received a bit great reaction. How would you rank him among the DX members that we saw this week? In terms of a physical appearance, oh, physical appearance! I mean, this guy is—I um, would say that he is a um, probably at the top. A, probably at the dude, top, dude. Like he's th this guy is, uh, you know, looking to be competition ready. Um, <laughs> that is right. The, uh, it's quite the feat. I mean, he was so popular. In this match, um, there was a father who had brought his daughter that I was like overhearing and he was informing her, 
this guy's twice <laughs> as old as the guy he's wrestling. <laughs> so <laughs> did and, the, the father inform the daughter about the nature of scissoring? He did not get into that. No, no, <laughs> I did. I eavesdropped a few times, so I will, I will, uh, I will refer to my, my notes later, but, um, yeah, some guys next to me also tried to start a We Want Xbox chant, but it did not uh, go anywhere. When another guy started yelling, he responded. They go, We Want Xbox, change the channel. And they went back and forth. Oh. I was like, okay, guys, pull the plug on this one. <laughs> like, dude, I, I've never been to a wrestling show where more chants were tried to get off the ground that the, the, the airplane was not leaving the ground on some of these chants. But some people were very much... Um, trying their damnedest too. everybody wants the award for best chain yeah i mean there was just some or just screaming incoherent things at times there was a, a whole slew of it so billy gunn is controlling the match very early on he um he he's teasing um showing his ass uh, to the crowd which this crowd really wanted swerve targets gun's leg early on and through the commercial break gun begins his comeback with a big tilt of whirl and then a big jackhammer he signals for a big self-scissor instead of a suck-it before hitting the Famouser, but Swerve escapes, hits the flatliner, and then delivers the Swerve stomp with a big kick-out from Gun at two. Gun then goes for the one and only before Swerve set, hits him with a big arm drag, countered into a pin-up against the ropes, ending up hooking uh, Billy Gun on, and he ends up hooking the ropes for the cheating victory at eight minutes and forty-eight seconds. And at this point, the acclaimed show up to console Daddy Ass, and the three end up attempting to scissor anyway. Before Mark Sterling comes out with Tony Nese, Sterling informs us that he's filed the trademark for Scissor Me, so they can no longer do the hand signal. They can't say Scissor Me, and all their T-shirt money will go now go to Mark Sterling. Uh, however, Sterling has said that he's willing to offer uh, to work with them to negotiate something. And then he says, scissor me, daddy knees. Uh, your thoughts on the match and then the closing angle, John. Listen, it's really tough to get a great match out of Billy Gunn in, in this day and age at nine minutes. But number one, he is so over that he doesn't have to do a whole lot. It doesn't matter. I thought Swerve was very good in this match, just breaking down the knee. Uh, I, I was very impressed with, with Swerve in this match, just working as the full-on heel. And the crowd, I mean, really elevated this one just because, like, on its own, um, this match is probably not going to stand out too much to uh, everyone. But it was a, a super, super popular uh, figure in Billy Gunn. And I thought Swerve worked as a, as a great heel. So I, I thought, like, in a weird way, uh, this worked for what it was. And... Then you're doing the angle afterward, which would seem, you know, take away what this crowd like. I think you're getting people that are literally buying tickets to go participate in this acclaimed act at shows that, you know, you come up with a way for them to win it back or be creative in getting like the crowd to chant it when the principals cannot. And because this to me is one of the biggest um, drawing you know, aspects of a live AEW event like this is like going in 1998 and getting the DX segment. This is very much the same thing for an AEW crowd that uh, I think you want to make it very clear that you come and you get to do the whole scissor me stuff. Up next, we go to the back where MJF is with Alex Marvez. Stokely Hathaway then interrupts and MJF is pissed off about Stokely interrupting the interview, calls it an old dynamite trope. He says this is strike number two for Stokely. 
And strike one was him getting involved in his match last week when he did not want him and the firm to. He compares Stokely's fashion sense to Carlton Banks and tells him to leave. He then talks about William Regal. MJF says that Regal might not remember it, but they have a dark past, and he threatens to expose it. So teasing a bit more storytelling between the two of them. He then talks about... Andrew Thompson actually had a mention of this on Twitter about like some story that existed that I was not aware of, of something uh, involving like MJF, like emailing him years ago for advice. Um, I don't know. I'll, like I've never heard of the, the story before, but he tweeted about it, that there was some uh, kind of exchange between them like years ago. Okay. Very interesting. Let me, let me try to look this up for, uh, for young Andrew who uh, did a great job uh, covering the show today. Okay. This comes to us from at AD Thompson underscore underscore. Be sure to follow him, everybody. Double underscore. Double underscore himself says, there's some story there to MJF and Regal. He used to send highlights to Regal and felt he was told off in an email. They talked about it when Regal came to AEW. MJF allegedly still had the email, but Regal's recollection is that he was not disrespectful, but wasn't going to baby MJF. Very interesting. Okay. We're going to see the receipts, I bet. John, you know. Is he going to catch Regal in 4K? Is that what the kids say? Yes. Yes, I think so. Not anymore. Not that I've used it. Um, yeah, <laughs> this this to me is like the the ongoing, like the building blocks of this MJF character that we get allusions to at different times of this guy who had this very difficult upbringing where he was, you know, the victim of anti-Semitism and you know, he talks about this, the fact that I have to wake up and I know I have to be the bad guy. It's like there is this whole redemption story for MJF that they give us little clues to. And I thought this continued in that of MJF at at the end of the day, one day having this this really um, endearing story about what he has overcome to get to where he is. This was certainly, uh, I would say, um, maybe like the uh, the promo where like he did uh, with with Punk about being bullied aside. This was certainly the most baby face I've I've seen in MJF promo. Um, the fact that I feel like this is hasn't necessarily been like a straightforward turn like suggests to me that we're probably leading to some form of swerve. But they, they are still like you know hitting on it pretty hard. Um, and like I think you know it proves that no matter what the end result of this is, whenever they want to sl- turn the switch on him and turn him into a full baby face, I mean that's it's easy. It's it's already there. So mm-hmm. uh, very strong promo here from MJF. Any other And interesting that they did this in the back and not in the ring. Like they would mm-hmm. have him in front of the people later during the uh, the Hangman Moxley segment, but interesting to see a backstage interview segment with MJF. Yeah, yeah. Um Toronto because he, he would have been completely showered with cheers in the for his entire segment if they brought him out. And he he already was. Um as mm-hmm. Tony Schiavone brings out John Moxley here. John Moxley grabs the microphone and says, very passionately, after three years, damn, it's good to be back in Toronto. Uh, of course, the hometown of his, of his wife. So what do you think John Moxley likes to hang out in Toronto? He wrote about in his book a lot about Toronto. He had really? arguably his best singles match in WWE at that roadblock show with Triple H in Toronto. And he spent a lot of time up here with, because of Renee. So he's not, he's not fronting uh, on his love of Toronto because he's got the receipts in his book way, uh, talking about going up Ossington and stuff like that. It's like he, he, he gets Toronto cred from his book. Wow. Yeah, he might be at Sneaky D's for all we know. He could be, yeah. I mean, he might be doing some record shopping at Rotate This. 
um, I don't know, maybe hanging out at uh, Bellwoods Brewery, I'm sure. So John Moxley is uh, talking about the target he has on his back being champion. He says a lot of guys can't handle it. They crumble, some faster than others. To me, this this received a bit of an ooh from the crowd, and I I certainly took it to be maybe a bit of a subtle subliminal shot at a recent former champion. Uh, I wouldn't even say it was subtle because there was definitely a bit of, not not overpowering, but definitely a CM Punk chant that came out of this. Mm, very interesting, yeah. And the, the most um, between this and even way more directly with Hangman, like the most that they have focused on those four since. Um, the whole incident happened at All Out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they show at this point MJF watching from the private po- box above. It gets the entire crowd's attention. Uh, Page comes out here. He says that Mox saying that he respected him last week meant the world to him, uh, but he didn't like it when Moxley called him a nice kid. Mox confirms that, yes, you are a kid, Adam. Uh, you're not the same guy who knocked me off a ladder a year ago. And Moxley does not think that Page has the guts to pull the trigger when he has the shot. Page admits that he failed in May. He admits that he failed in capturing the trio's titles with his best friends, the Dark Order, who seem to be disappearing week by week. His old friends have already disappeared, and he's left now with nothing, and he's angry, and he's depressed. And the medicine isn't working, but he's still here because he is a man. He says he's 31 years old. He's a former world and tag champion. He watched family members pass away, and he's a father, just like Mox is. At this point, Paige starts punching himself in the head hard enough to draw blood. He says he keeps coming forward because he's a man. Paige says he doesn't care if Mox's cousins or family are going to be in the crowd next week. He's going to take back what he should have never let slip away. And he gives his word that he will be the next AEW champion as he wipes his blood from his brow onto Moxley's chest. And this very passionate promo, uh, one of the most passionate I've heard from Paige, was unfortunately a bit mistimed by the Toronto crowd who still seemed to be very distracted by MJF as they were chanting MJF. Uh, Paige responds by saying, unlike MJF, he's going to tell Mox to his face, man to man. What did you think of the entire segment, John? I really question the use of MJF at that specific moment in the promo before Hangman had finished the promo. I get you want to have MJF as this this shadow over top of this championship with the casino chip, but it could have been so much more effective. Let them have their big promo segment and have all of the audience's attention. And then after the segment, we can just shoot MJF way up in the, in the top of the arena watching. And that can be the final shot. And you get your pop, you get your story that he is watching this match extremely close next week and could cash in. But this to me totally countered a phenomenal promo from hangman page and it totally divided the fans' attention and even forced the fans to choose MJF over Hangman Page as he's kind of battling all the attention being taken away. So I and second, from where I was seated in like my side, like I was like um, the, the side of the hard camera, like the they've got the screen there, but it's not like you have the the, the feed that you're seeing on television. So 
like I can't even see MJF. I'm just seeing everyone look up and then you can hear them chanting MJF. But it wasn't till later that they actually showed MJF on the screen that the people like I was around that you could even necessarily see what was going on. Um, but you, you put the pieces together. I would have just structured this a bit differently to allow Hangman to have the floor for his promo. Then you could introduce MJF like watching and reveal him. I have to imagine they did not expect MJF to, you know, be as beloved tonight, despite that promo earlier. But still, like, uh, cheered above a Hangman Page, above a John Moxley. In the I'm, not, I'm not that surprised, promo. given how how his character is right now. I, well, I almost there's just nothing maybe attaching him to Toronto specifically. Like, in New York, I, I would totally understand. But, like, did they think that a simple shot of MJF in the midst of this promo segment would distract the crowd enough to take I away that? I think it's just a hot character people are into. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he's, you know, it's not the same as the acclaimed, but it's, like, it's just as popular. So they continue to, uh, you know, tease uh, MJF's potential cash-in of this thing in the midst of uh, building up Moxley versus Page. But a hell of a promo from uh, hangman page here ahead of the world t- uh, title match next week really strong stuff from everybody involved and you'll have that tease be pretty heavy the idea of him cashing it in in moxley's hometown mm-hmm. uh, so uh up next we get a little video about uh, brian danielson and chris jericho with some old footage of brian as roh champion brian says that he's one of the greatest roh champs of all time and, he, and he's going to bring the belt back where it belongs and then up next uh at about the 9 p.m quarter here we've got for the Ring of Honor Championship, Brian Danielson versus Chris Jericho. Judas plays, or at least the beginning of Judas plays, as the crowd is starting to sing along, and it gets cut off by Electric Head Part 2 by White Zombie. I don't know if there is a bigger heel tonight than White Zombie, John, for cutting off Judas. You want Z- Judas? You got to buy tickets tomorrow night for Judas. God damn. Or you, or you can go to the Up Next After Party, which I'm sure everybody is lining up to to sing right well, now. The, the crowd just decided we're going to sing it anyway. So that's what they did during the match. I don't know why they would do like the opening. I understand like you want the pop from the opening, but then to cut it off into like this white zombie thing, you're just setting people like you're just disappointing people, you know, because I'm sure there's some a lot of white zombie fans here, but I wonder if they went into this with fans. the idea of trying to get Jericho over as a heel. Like I know they know going in he's going to be the baby face. Can we do anything to change that? And they didn't and they worked this as Danielson working as as the heel. I'd be very curious. Like was there any indication prior to this that Danielson was going to work as a heel? Not from the build up I've seen, like not from even no. Jericho's promos or no, anything. No, just just the idea of going into Canada that maybe they just assume that's the reaction we're going to get. Hmm. Well, yeah. So early on, Jericho offers the code of honor handshake. Uh, Brian does not buy it and kicks it away. The crowd, as John mentioned, starts singing Judas by themselves a cappella. So nobody's coming back tomorrow. They're gonna get their <laughs> they're gonna get their Judas tonight. Big top rope runner from Chris Jericho gets a big reaction as we go to commercial break. Jericho then continues to wow with his uh, old school in out springboard plancha to the floor. The crowd starts chanting. Ocho here. Brian then applies the LaBelle lock as Jericho escapes, transitioning to the walls. Brian sweeps to standing as he teases his own Boston Crab. And at this point, the boos for Brian Danielson were pretty audible. Like, if they were to do a spot like this anywhere else, I wonder if it would have received the same reaction. But, like, stealing a man's finisher and, like, a Canadian Legends finisher at that like it seems like a pretty clear direction to like the reaction that you're looking for. Right. Um, so 
very much I think they me. were just I, I think honestly, I think they were just really reading off the crowd and going from there. I'm sure there was a lot of like, you know, n- knowing like your 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 bullet points of the match, but also, you know, going with where the crowd takes you and just making that that choice decision. I thought it was a smart spot to have in here and really tease um the father making his prediction early on Jericho's going to win with the sharpshooter, he told. Wow. Um, quite the prediction. Yes. Uh, so Brian does his own Boston crab and the guy gets booed for it. I don't know if I've heard Brian Jansen get booed since he was doing that recycling gimmick. Jericho counters the crucifix elbows with the death Valley driver for two. Brian then delivers some flying knees, but Jericho counters with the code breaker for a two count. Jericho then shoves Brian into referee Paul Turner as Jericho is about to hit Brian with the ring of honor championship. Daniel Garcia comes down and takes it away. He's arguing with Chris Jericho, and the distraction allows Danielson to hit Jericho with the Busaiku knee. Daniel Garcia, however, then holding the Ring of Honor championship, attacks Brian Danielson with it. Crowd cheers Garcia out of their love of Chris Jericho here as Jericho goes over to make the slow cover, getting the victory at 14 minutes and 9 seconds. Cheating once again this time, thanks to... Daniel Garcia. Yeah. Um, you know, Garcia came out and when he um, first stood up to Jericho, like they were, they were booing Garcia. And then when he clocked Danielson, they all cheered for him. So, I mean, it was the audience uh, behind Jericho and Garcia by, by the end of this all, but yet yeah, doing, I mean, you kind of um, should explain this a little bit after you had Garcia, like, you know, working this tag match, um, side by side with Danielson last week and now he's uh, back here. So I think that just requires some, you know, story explanation like what happened over this past week that Garcia has now changed his uh allegiance. He came to his senses. He realized he's a sports entertainer somehow. You know? Uh yeah, no, I look forward to a little bit of storytelling. To me, it's a swerve that I think we've we we saw coming quite a while away. Um but definitely last week made me question it a little bit. Um, however, it just didn't necessarily seem to balance itself with having Garcia on the side of the Blackpool Combat Club when you already kind of have a young up-and-coming in a Wheeler Utah. That remains a pretty interesting element of it because I, on commentary, they were pushing how Wheeler Utah must have felt seeing Brian Daniels and put the belt on um, um, Daniel Garcia last week. And in fact, next week, they are pushing a sit-down interview between Renee Paquette reuniting with Brian Danielson. Uh, of course, uh, former Talking Smack um, colleague. Yeah, and uh, call it a uh, talking shit. Because, <laughs> well, can you say that now on TNT? Oh, that's right. They might TBS talking, <laughs> talking <yeah. laughs> crowd noise. Von uh, Wagner can come in and say shit. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So, um, so they're teasing some sort of sit down between Brian Danielson and Wheeler Yuta with Renee Renee Paquette next week. So we shall see what what happens with that. Is but, is that going to be the, the the shoulder programming? They're going to do AEW backstage, They'll some version back. of talking smack. I mean, uh, uh, Renee Paquette being a part of your your company, you Renee, definitely wanted Punk, Soraya, Samoa Joe. <laughs> they got the whole. They got the Dude, whole. They've team. got everybody. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> they got all the backstage. They got them all. Holy shit! So maybe, <laughs> maybe that'll like soften the uh, the issues with Punk, and they'll all. They'll they got all... Christian too. They got Christian as well. Yeah, they've oh got my them all. god! <laughs> they must, Tony Khan has AEW backstage. Yes, he's won the war. This, this was the real marathon uh, assembling. He was really AEW after FS1's uh, program. <laughs> 
So. Uh, yeah, Daniel Garcia back in the uh, Jericho Appreciation Society. Yeah. Renee is in the back with the Vicious Vixens. And who are the Vicious, vicious Vixens? Because I certainly wouldn't have known that by name. It is Vicky Guerrero with Marina Shafir and Nyla Rose. Nyla, of course, is holding the TBS championship that she stole from Jade Cargill here. She says position, possession is nine-tenths of the law, and she is the law, which would have been a great soundbite uh, years ago. Uh, Maybe they for, knew I was for, there because I don't think this aired in the arena. Really? Okay. Yeah, I don't think this aired because I I didn't leave during the during the show and I never saw this segment, but I did see a, a, it mentioned on online. So I don't think this one aired. Anna J comes J A S I should say comes in. She says she wants the belt um, because she too believes that possession is nine tenths of the law. So she challenges Nyla Rose for a match on AEW Rampage as Nyla. Nyla tells Anna JAS to show up on Friday so she can whoop her ASS. Yeah. <laughs> up there was a, there, there was one guy who was like the, adamantly opposed to Chris Jericho and was just screaming at him throughout the night. But the best line was, he's from Winnipeg. He doesn't know shit about Canada. Well, clearly. I mean, the man still thinks T-Dot is what we, you know, refer to our own city at this point. So maybe he did at once. Up next, we've got interim AEW Women's Champion Tony Storm teaming with the returning Hikaru Shida, taking on Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter here. Uh, Baker distracts to allow Hayter to take control of the match early on. We get a hot tag to Shida after the commercial break as she fights both heels off on her own, suplex the Baker onto Hayter, and then a springboard meteor, meteor is delivered to Baker for a two count. The crowd reacts really well for Shida, chanting her name. Everybody is in the ring at this point. A bunch of near falls as Tony takes Hater out with the DDT off the apron. Baker then locks in the lockjaw on Sheeta, but Sheeta counters with the Falcon Arrow, and then a series of pin reversals ends with Sheeta pinning Britt Baker, Britt Baker at eight minutes and eighteen seconds. What do you think of the match live? I thought it was a nice match. They were really into Jamie Hater. She was very popular coming out. Um, Storm was in briefly. Um, I liked her her involvement with Hater. Um, they've got certainly a very strong singles match in in their future together, and a, like a mild surprise with Sheeta pinning Baker at the end, and obviously with with the reason of what they're setting up for next week. But I, I thought it was a nice match, like not not the loudest, but it was certainly like a respect. It was not like the audience was uh, zoned out either during this match. On screen, I thought it was a really strong match. You know, I thought Sheeta looked awesome. Somehow her mouth was bloodied by the end of this. So like. You know, maybe it says something about just how how hard hitting you know this 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 current group of AEW women. Um, I mean, really, they have been for quite some time. But in particular, I feel like you know every time I see Tony Storm in there, anytime I see Jamie Hader in there, those two hit hard. Um, and Britt Baker is and Sheeta are both right along with them. Um, I I thought I feel like these women's matches have been very consistent as of late, and and I've really like almost always enjoyed them. So bring Sheeta up into the mix now and almost seemingly kind of hot shotting her into a bit of a title pro, um, match right away. I would like to have uh, seen a bit more of a buildup and story for Sheeta than just, you know, this kind of quick win and title challenge, because where else do you go with Sheeta afterwards? Argue. You can argue that <laughs> we've already seen the Sheeta story, t- like title chase so many times. Like, is there still that much for it? But evidently, She's still plenty, plenty over. Like I think I heard something about her being like a top merch seller for for uh, for for the women's uh, division right now. So um, still a lot of interest in Cheetah, but I don't expect a, a title change. Obviously, next week. I know. I know. Sometimes we, we've had this discussion before of sort of like you do want to, you know, 
roll out these stories and get people to really get behind someone, but you, you don't want to miss the timing on Jamie Hayter. They have something with her now that no. I wouldn't, um, and I know you kind of voiced this and I wasn't as much uh, concerned, but the, you know, seeing it, they, they have something with Jamie Hayter right now that you would not, I, I do think that sometimes happens to acts where they gain that momentum, but then they get clued in that they're not going all the way with this person and it subsides. It's very hard to regain that. The Butcher and the Blade are in the back. They cut a promo on Claudio and Moxley as they are about to face them on Rampage. So that was also announced as well. So um, half this promo aired. Like Justin Roberts is talking to the live crowd and then all of a sudden this starts playing. And it's the second half where we never hear who they address. It's just the last half about them screaming into the camera. I didn't know what was going on at all. But mm-hmm. there you are to fill, fill us in. And they, I thought this was a big mistake to the live crowd. They never did the lineup for Rampage of what was coming up tomorrow. Like we they never didn't really do it on TV either, John. Oh, they didn't. They didn't yeah. do the Excalibur up usually it would have been this spot but all we really got promoting it uh, was this little butcher in the blade thing and then um something about what was to come next because they did the picture like the lower third thing instead during the main event to promote what was to come see so, like live in the building you like that is your most engaged audience that is most likely like go to the box office now save on like do a like it's 15 percent off tickets for tomorrow do, do something just alert people here's the lineup come back tomorrow night instead it was just pushing tomorrow seven o'clock tomorrow seven o'clock and then you pick up some of these backstage segments of what's going on but i i thought they could have like really like hit it home that we're coming back tomorrow night and here's the lineup of what you're going to see and i mean if you left here all you're aware of tomorrow is you've got an hour of rampage and it's not the most stellar lineup for Rampage. It's like, what what else is going to be on the show? Like you're, I, I did think like they missed an opportunity to really hit that home to, you know, s- seven to eight thousand people that have bought tickets that you know maybe they decide, hey, I had a fun time tonight. I'm going to come back tomorrow. So Canadian Bulldog says that they did show the, the Rampage lineup on the big screens near, near the end of the show. So maybe it was something they did at, at some point later. Um, but nonetheless, I, I, I feel I was curious, certainly about like how big of a push they would have made for Rampage just in terms of content, like just in terms of name value, because this is a standalone Rampage. How are you going to attract people to pay an extra ticket to make the time in their evening to come out again for the show? And I mean, they've already sold decently well, right, John? Like 5,000, you said? It's, it's uh, like, it, it's decent, but it's not full. But I'm, I'm curious if they get any kind of like last 24 hours of a push on it. But I, I never saw like the, the lineup come up on, on, on the screen at all. Okay. So what they have announced for Rampage, aside from Claudio and Moxley taken on Butcher and the Blade, we have Ethan Page versus uh, Isaiah Cassidy for the contracts, of course, Mad Hardys and private parties. We have Nyla Rose taken on Anna JAS. And then we have the reunited pinnacle of FTR and Sean Spears taken on the embassies, Gates of Agony and Brian Cage. So that is what people can expect. Is and that Judas? Judas will be played. I can't believe we didn't graphical alone for Judas. Yeah, no, is it's, that, is it's, that... it's not a special lineup. Not at all. Like, like that's not a standalone show. That's a hour tacked on to a dynamite taping lineup. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Like I feel like if these talents are there anyway. Do they just not want to offer a John Moxley singles match or Claudio Castagnoli singles match of significance because they want to save that for TV, like another dynamite or something? They're, they're... 
They're like, building up next Tuesday. Like next Tuesday is obviously the big, and I understand that from a like national perspective. Next Tuesday is a much important, much more important show to build up than Rampage. But again, like you are trying a standalone show, and you know it's um, yeah, you're, hmm. and, and there were like a lot of names like not on the show tonight. Like no, like no Soraya, no Sting, no Lucha Brothers. Um, you know, notable names that were not there. So on Tuesday, for Tuesday Night Dynamite, we've got John Moxley versus Hangman Page for the AEW Championship. MJF will speak. For the AEW uh, Interim Women's Championship, Tony Storm versus Karushita. So both women's and men's championships on the line. And Renee Paquette will talk to Yuta and Danielson. And then we go to our main event for the evening. For the AEW All-Atlantic Championship, it is Pac taking on America's Orange Cassidy. Early on, Pac avoids an opening orange punch, and he takes control. He then at one point puts Cassidy's hands in his own pockets for him as Pac does his own lazy kicks, really milking the crowd's reaction for that one final kick as Cassidy counters with a big front draw kick himself. On the floor, Pac hits a falcon arrow to Orange Cassidy, affecting Cassidy's shoulder. During the commercial, Pac nails Cassidy with a tombstone pile driver on the top of the ramp. We come back with the count-out tease as Cassidy rolls down the ramp to try to beat the count before stumbling and face-planting. Um, the count is up to nine at this point as Cassidy dives back in. I thought really good stumbling from Cassidy. You know, for a man who works a lazy gimmick, I mean, I, I found this very convincing. Not that I would think that, you know, the match would get counted out, but I thought he, he did it really well. Uh, Pack immediately at this point locks in the brutalizer when Cassidy re-enters. Uh, Cassidy then nails Pack with a huge diving DDT to the floor. Another DDT and an orange punch in the ring gets a big two count. Cassidy then hits the beach, beach break onto Pack onto on the apron. At this point, there's blood coming out of Pack's right ear somehow, and it's coming out pretty good. Pack goes for the hammer uh, on the, the 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 ring bell hammer, of course, but he's stopped by a disguised Danhausen who curses him. Pack then turns around, and it's Bryce Remsburg who catches him with the hammer. So Bryce takes the hammer as he he's putting it away somewhere, and it, evidently it takes a whole lot of time to put away this hammer because Pack has a second one from the other side of the ring that he grabs. He's about to use it, but Cassidy instead meets him with the right hand. Cassidy then has the hammer and teases using it himself. Uh, and and they're showing Cassidy is like really angry. He's thinking about Trent. Uh, he's thinking about himself uh, as he's really upset, thinking about using this hammer. Instead, Pac schoolboys him using the tights for a two count. Cassidy fights out. He charges up, and it's the type of charge up that you know is a title change worthy charge up as he delivers an orange punch to Pac, new champion at 11 minutes and 18 seconds as the orange confetti spills into the coca-cola arena i thought it was a really a really enjoyable main event um in person i mean it doesn't differ too much from on television pack is incredible uh his selling of those orange punches was tremendous um i just i, I thought pack was outstanding orange cassie was very strong in this match too i i enjoyed it quite a lot i think people knew when this was going on in the main event it was you know for all we want to say about all these titles i think like the audience did sense wow this is probably going to mean a title change the fact that they're putting this on last and the audience like got more into this match i think knowing that that's the likely outcome of all this so it generated a big pop for the finish and yeah you got the confetti celebration afterward um did, did any of the stuff with the best friends air on on the show 
it did the hug and, and the celebration and the confetti, and that's how the show ended. So after uh, Cassidy gets on the mic and he actually does a promo for the crowd and he says, mm. everyone knows how much I hate carrying things. So bring out <laughs> my backpack. So out comes Chris Statlander recovering from her knee surgery. She's got the knee brace on. She brings out a backpack and I'm imagining Cassidy is going to carry this around in a backpack saying now I can go wherever, whenever with this title. And he actually, as Statlander was on the way down this huge ramp, it's like, could you hurry up? What are you hurt? And that was kind of a comical. And then, yeah, he like it was the most like you've heard like Cassidy speak. And then uh, the confetti continued. They were playing the song. And then uh, at the end, Tony Khan ran down and gave him a hug uh, as well. So that was the mm-hmm. uh, the post match after. But it was like a two minute speech from Orange Cassidy uh, thanking everyone for coming. And we'll see you tomorrow. Very interesting. Maybe they'll start selling um, Orange Cassidy backpacks. Backpacks. Jansport. Yeah. Um, that that could be one way to go. So, yeah, it was – I mean, Cassidy needed a big win. They they have beaten him quite a bit with frequency, and I think he needed a win here. So um, it's a different direction for the All-Atlantic title, which is, you know, still probably uh, one of many too many titles in the in this company. Orange Cassidy is, you know, one of those gimmicks that you can argue, like, is so over, he, he arguably doesn't need a championship. It's also one of those gimmicks that, like, I, I wonder if there's a ceiling to how far you can push him. You know, can he ever truly be a world title level guy that you see on the front of the poster that you rely on to carry a 10 minute talking segment for a guy who does not speak? And I think that's largely been untested. So I think this is now going to be, you know, one of those bigger tests. It's not the main championship. It's not even the second biggest championship in the company. It's the All-Atlantic Championship. But um, it seems to be, at least, you know, Pac said in the temple, it, it is a workers' championship. Somebody who has to go out and defend it in various promotions, uh, maybe, you know, quite a bit often on TV as well. And he is, <laughs> okay, holy shit. We interrupt this review. Yeah, this is too good. For to, a uh, live <laughs> stream. We are going live to Sneaky D's. Holy cow. Oh my God. This is like uh, us going to uh, WWF New York. We, okay, so we can't we can't really hear right now, but we are we are broadcasting right from Sneaky D's and the Up Next After Party where it's crowded. Oh, we're live right now on the You are live. You are Yo. live. All right, all right. This next song, uh, we wouldn't have allowed this song. Oh, my God. By a dressman karaoke, so we're going to allow this song. Where is the song? What is the stage? Mike. Who's the, who? Mike? Mike? Oh, what? did we lose him? Oh, I, I think on, that, that was tease. not the signal going out. One of them hung up on us, I think. Oh, what uh, a tease. Maybe uh, we will uh, re- reconnect with them. It's, it's a little tough to hear, but I mean, for the visual, I mean, there's a lot of people there, dude. It's like it's after midnight. It looks amazing. It looks wow. like a, Look a really that. great old time. Those guys know how to throw a party. We know how to gather people to the Tim Hortons parking lot, but those guys actually know how to throw a party. So yeah. we're, we're, um, we're the pre-show. They're the after the, the after party. They, sure. they really are the main event. So you can hear about all their adventures on uh, the up next feed, as I'm sure they'll be doing a BDE lead talking all about their adventures tomorrow. So, all right. Uh, Overall, John, what did you think of tonight's edition of Dynamite? Well, number one, if I missed the Rampage rundown, I apologize. I did not see the rundown, but if it aired, it aired. But um, 
I don't know if that lineup's bringing people. I, I will tell you, honestly, having no. gone to the uh, alternative last month in Buffalo, I found this. I was more than happy with the time I was there, and I even missed half of dark. I got two and a half hours. I totally understand why people are like spent after that that hour. Like I felt totally happy with what I had gotten. I did not need an extra hour uh, on top of that. I could not imagine doing another two hours like a Grand Slam. Um, that to me would be a lot um, to to sit through during the middle of the week. But um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how well it does. Like again. By Rampage standards, the fact that they have moved over 5,000 tickets, it's it's not a terrible figure. Um, but but I think a lot of people were just expecting, you know, full houses both nights, and we'll see what these last 24 hours does for Rampage. I don't know. I think it's – if you had a great experience or you just want to check out AEW, that's the appeal rather than anything they have announced for the show. With all due mm-hmm. respect to Judas, which some people might want to go to for Judas. There might be those people. They should do it like five times. You know, just like just end the night with a five time version of Judas, perhaps. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was a, a, a good show on TV. You know, you certainly had a really good uh, Jericho versus Danielson match, you know, kind of um, uh, uh, peaking the, the entire event. And then you have a, had a wonderful moment with a title change after a great match uh, in the main event as well. Uh, and then on top of that, Luchasaurus versus Jungle Boy was also very good. Um I will say next week feels certainly a lot more important, you know, with, with the way it's that the, it's the bigger up. show. Yeah. Yeah. But this week was good. And I think it was certainly highlighted, of course, by, you know, a very magnif- magnificent, very hot Toronto crowd. So worth watching just to see the, some of those crowd responses. I, I really enjoyed the Moxley page. Like I, yes. I wouldn't have done the MJF. The promos in, were strong. Yeah. I thought that promo yeah. segment was excellent to really the MJF promo the too. Yep. Yep. Very strong. Uh, Let's go to some of your super chats, guys, at uh, youtube.com slash post wrestling. And uh, this one comes to us from Adam T, who sends 14 Canadian dollars to say, great meeting you guys. I have no idea how you have the energy to do a show afterwards, but appreciate it as always. And we appreciate you, Adam, for making it out to uh, say hi to us and also for the super chat, of course. Um, I feel great, John. Like, I have a lot of energy. How about you? I'll, I'll tell you what gave me a ton of energy was, number one, it was a pretty, like, breeze of a show to to go to and attend uh but then afterwards man my my parking choice of uh getting away from the crazy traffic brilliant i was home i was i was home by like 10 30 it was great it, 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 good parking is is always key when you're going to these events yeah, yeah. um park in liberty just, village if you're going to the coca-cola coliseum I didn't even grab a coffee after uh, beforehand. I also wow. freaked myself out when I saw that that clip that uh, the archivist clip from Monday. Did you did you see that clip where I had my coffee? How high it was? Like, yeah. What am I doing? I don't know what you're doing. How did you? That was get very to concerning. The, you were recording in the basement. How did you even walk to the basement with the coffee that full? I don't know. I got great balance. I guess clearly. Right. You do. Thank you very much, Adam, for the very kind super chat and uh, getting to meet you as well. Thank you so much, Adam. Much appreciated. We go up next to Sam, who sends an $8 Australian Super Chat to say, Great show, guys. Will we be getting a WH Park Black Adam review? I do not believe so. I did see WH Park today. It was really great catching up with him after a while. Um, we, He's in, uh, Dwayne Johnson is in Toronto this week, right? Promoting that? I don't know. You I tell think me. he is. I think he's wow. here this week. Doing he's doing a, a lot of press. Uh, he's for doing, Black he's Adam. doing the crazy media tour for for Black Adam. So yeah, tonight had not just um, uh, uh, AEW, but uh, Kevin Smith was screening uh, Clerks Three as well, like almost next door. Yeah, yeah, and and didn't like Ethan Page and Danhausen do something with him? Yeah, they posted it. Th- I guess they did some kind of uh, um, video. Yeah. 
deal with uh-huh. uh, with Kevin Smith as well. Just, I mean, Toronto is the place to be. Come on, Danhausen and Kevin Smith. Um, yeah, I don't know if the WH, you can ask, certainly ask WH about it on, uh, the live edition of MCU later that's coming up at, at 10 o'clock on Thursday. Sam. Are you going to watch Black Adam? Um, maybe when it comes out. Like, I don't know if I'm going to the theater, like, you know, anytime soon, John, uh, honestly, just, just with the baby and all. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't even think I'll get to see Black Panther, you know, coming up until, until it's on uh, DVD, but I also don't have that much interest in this Black Adam movie, you know? Are you? No, probably won't go see Black Adam. Black Panther, I will 100% see. That will be a mm. movie theater experience for sure. Yes, it will. Uh, thank you so much for the support, Sam. Um, you should ask WH about his thoughts on Black Adam. He will, I'm sure, have plenty of very nice things to say. WH has a whole network of people he can call upon to do a, a review of Black Adam. Yeah. We just we, we give WH the canvas, and he, he paints the picture that yeah. he wants. We go up next to Brent Lockman, who sends a $10 super chat to say, I'm sad I missed the meetup at Timmy's. Too much going on today. I'm floored how much they fit into three hours. I hope they signed Jody Threat. She killed it. Great show. Keep keep up the awesome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you, Brent, so much for that support. Did it feel like a busy dynamite, like usual standards? I kind of – like I, I didn't sense it as much. It, I think it, I'm the wrong person to ask because today – You and I are take- totally wrong because as well – also, you kind of handling the notes and stuff, it makes a big difference for me. Every show is is busy. But, I mean, we take also notes for SmackDown and Ron. They, they don't feel like this. You know, It's a very dense show. It's always a densely packed show. Yeah. But I will say like there are parts of like you know watching the show where it felt like – we had slightly less in-ring content than usual because so much of it was taken up by promo time mm-hmm. uh, and very good promos. And, and, and I actually kind of like that, you know, focusing on like five, six, you know, principal matches and then just kind of giving you the rest of speaking. And you have now two, I would say, great uh, hosts when it comes to doing the sit down stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we've talked about, they don't do the Jim Ross sit downs as much anymore, but whatever people want to say about his, his commentary, some enjoy, some don't his sit downs, I, th- I think they've been very, very effective when they've gone to the well. And now with Renee, whether it is creating new programming for her, she will be a great asset in, in that sense. And I mean, that's somebody else that is a, a great tool for that kind of promotion. Totally agree. Like Renee is is really like, you know, somebody you can use in so many different facets. And we don't obviously know like her. Well, she's she's got plenty of jobs, too. Right. So. Uh, she's doing the thing with the Bengals, I believe. She's got her mm-hmm. own sessions podcast, of course, but I'm sure. Do, do you like, think this will cut off WWE guests going on her show? Because they have been very friendly with, with Renee. Like she's been able to get both sides for all this time. And because that is something that, you know, in the prior regime, like Jericho, Jericho got cut off from WWE guests. It is a different management now. Uh, will that Will that continue as she's, you know, doing her podcast? That's a very good question, and I'm willing to bet that the answer will pro- be probably, um, because you know WWE has their own podcast, and do they really want, you know, like to put their show on an empl- employee of another company's? Um, yeah, that that might kind of be it. But AEW has plenty of interesting guests on on their own. We go up next to a man we got to meet at the uh, at the meetup today, Kishon. Amirali sends a $10 super chat to say, great meeting you guys. Murray clan, Dr. Alex P and the guy from Niagara. Thanks guys. Solid show. Felt bad for hangman. Second best promo of his career, but everybody was chanting for MJF. Yeah. I mean, to me, it didn't ruin the promo or the segment, but it would have been, I, I think, I think you could have achieved the exact same intended outcome of what MJF's presence was designed to do. Just, 
structure the segment differently and not have him kind of commandeer everyone's attention midway through that promo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think for the Toronto crowd, like if I know Toronto, I think they would have appreciated just how great that segment was too. Um, but maybe just a bit of a missed timing of when to specifically chant for MJF at the tail end of the Hangman promo because it was certainly a bit of a sour, awkward way to end something that really deserved, uh, to me, a great standing ovation. It was that good. So let's go up next to forum.postwrestling.com for all of our patrons' feedback. And uh, John, would you like to start us off? I do indeed. Benjamin starts us off. Crowd was hot AF. Good for us. Sometimes AEW storytelling is like a vigorous dry humping, then claiming it's five-star sex. Look at Benjamin here. What a poet. Uh, They really didn't leave enough time on the broadcast to let Orange Cassidy's title win sink in. Jericho and Danielson are having banger after banger after banger after banger, and the build to it was a little soft. Mox and Hangman set up promos really good. I wish they could have had some interactions like this over the last week to tell the story better. I feel like they just gave Paige a bit more character arc and motivation going into this match next week. And we don't get to build on that before the big match happens. Uh, women's match was badass. Glad Nyla is getting some mic time. Even if, and if Anna Jay cuts in with the cringe promo. And there you go. Um, Her promos. I mean, yeah, like we haven't heard that much from Anna Jay yet, but like they haven't necessarily been that great. You know, anytime she's caught one, but that's these are kind of her reps, you know, like I, I think putting her specifically under a Chris Jericho is meant to have her be able to speak a bit more, have her, you know, than, than she, she did at the dark order, being able to do it in a heel fashion as well, which might be more conducive to getting her personality out there, but she's still very much a work in progress. John Kleinchester says fun show tonight. I love seeing all the photos and video of the parking lot meetup. It looked like a good crew. Hoping I can make it to the New New Jersey Post anniversary party in a few weeks. That is correct. Postwrestling.com slash live. We hope to see a lot of you guys there November 19th, 1 p.m. Eastern time. It'll be great. Okay, next up we go to Cody from Maine. While there were plenty of positives on tonight's show, especially the crowd, the two title matches are my biggest takeaways. Unfortunately, for negative reasons. While I'm not upset with the result, Cassidy winning was very telegraphed once it became clear it was the main event. Especially, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Um, especially after Danielson lost his match and with Brian losing the way he did, it feels like Garcia staying with the Jericho Appreciation Society has put us right back to where we were throughout the spring and the entirety of the summer. I went to a Dynamite in July that featured Danielson's return match against Garcia, and it feels like that match was set up again tonight unless the story is garcia wanting to be the one to dethrone jericho is that the direction you two sense they're going with i certainly believe that the end result is jericho and garcia at the end and that's probably something that they are not going to at the next pay-per-view that's probably a much longer direction uh and he adds regardless i hope this leads to a bit of separation between danielson and the jericho appreciation society it's time for something new yeah um I don't know. I get the sense that like this feud is, is still going to continue. It's still going to simmer. You know, Danielson still has to get his revenge now at this point. Yuta so. is involved. Like certainly yeah. that would be the next step there. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Whether we get some sort of a alliance between Danielson and Yuta, whether Danielson and Yuta have some tension be- between them. Um, that's, mm-hmm. I, I do think, think that they all still st- uh, stay linked, but you probably don't go to Jericho and Danielson again too soon, which was an interesting choice because when you're looking at Jericho going through all these ROH champions, you know, Danielson and Joe are the big ones. Um, if punk is not in the mix. So, you know, you've done Danielson now and, you know, maybe, maybe Joe is kind of like the, the end of this whole run of uh, past champions that you would think like, that's kind of Jericho's direction. Maybe is just focusing on the ROH champions and Danielson mm-hmm. taking more of a focus with Garcia and Yuta. 
so this also means we've got um, Jericho versus Claudio coming up. Uh, because Claudio cut that promo on Rampage saying he wants the winner of tonight. So get, I'm right. guessing a rematch. Uh, all right, we go up next to Muggin, who says, AEW's first trip up north gave us a mental and emotional whiplash during the second hour. Garcia turning on Brian and staying with the JAS left me fuming. If it comes out next week that Garcia reveals that he wants to be the man to beat Jericho for the ROH world title, then fine. I'm running out of patience with the JAS-BCC feud. It took a step backwards. Pack Orange Cassidy lifted my mood with Cassidy winning the All-Atlantic title. It's so well-deserved and earned the main event slot. Solid show. Yeah, do you feel like this Garcia reversion, I suppose, to being a heel? Do you get the sense that people are as outraged about that as like what they're feeling with Jamie Hayter? Um, I, I, I don't have as much of an issue with the, the Garcia thing because I think mm-hmm, that like, there is more to, to do with it. And I, I personally think that him, more so in the, this heel role, I, I think he's very good in in the role like as you know jericho's but it's it's tough like you've kind of like initiated the breakup and now it's like now we're taking the step back to hopefully go two steps forward but you've sort of done the the breakup which is sometimes the the peak of the uh, of the story but a lot of this is the follow-up and if they if this ends up like we look back in two months and if this was a a good move or one that did not really assist where they were attempting to go the last word is from Joe in Niagara. What an amazing show. Very upset I got tickets for the Buffalo show before this was announced. Super hot crowd in comparison. Nonetheless, great to see such a great turnout for you guys at Tim Hortons via Instagram. Look, Looks like the who's who of the post-universe was there. Keep up the amazing work, guys. Well, thank you, Joe, from Niagara. We had a lot of wonderful post people in town. Uh, Brandon from New Jersey and John Cena are in town uh, for, for this. Um, so, but, you know... I, I'm expecting an even bigger turnout in New Jersey, so we're we're gonna have a nice little couple of months of like interacting with uh, so many people that we've met over the course of the past several years, uh, just virtually. So, um, thank you to everybody who showed up today and said hi, uh, passed by us and said hi, grabbed one of my uh, uh, coffee sleeves, uh, or simply said nope, no thanks, <laughs> and simply were, walked. Were past. those QR codes on the coffee sleeves? They were QR codes that I had to go up this morning to pick up from Scarborough. And John and I were sitting in our car, in my car, like just minutes before this meetup, labeling hundreds and hundreds of these little fucking QR codes onto our coffee sleeves. I'm going to put the post uh, picture up on, on Instagram a bit later, but it was quite the scene. Um, just what it was with me and John here. Actually, I'm going to put it up on camera right now. I don't know if you can see. <laughs> That's that was the scene. Yeah. That was the scene. I, I got. I, I could. I could sense a bit of a frantic text from uh, from Way at three thirty in the afternoon. That uh, yeah, Way. I I did not follow uh, Way's method that he told me about. This is oh. what he explained was the fastest way. Put them all on your hands, and then uh, that didn't work for me. But oh, I we we created. We did it. We were like a good, well oiled QR code yeah. uh, labeling machine. I, here, I could do that every know? day. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. I had a lot of fun. It, 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 it's nice to just honestly be out again, you know, and, and to interact with, with people that, you know, listen to us. And, and Yeah, I, I love meeting up with everyone and uh, seeing people in person. Like, it, it was a lot of fun to do. Like, the wrestling was sort of secondary to the meetup and everything. So, yes, I hope uh, we can see many of you 
next month in New Jersey. But that will bring an end to Rewind to Dynamite. Way and I are back Friday night, 11 Eastern after Rampage. So we will go through SmackDown, Rampage, and whatever else is going on in the world of wrestling. And a shout out to Andrew Thompson uh, for allowing myself and John Cena to go to Dynamite tonight. And he covered all of the Dynamite news and happenings uh, up on the site. So a big thank you to Andrew Thompson. Uh, best of luck to Braden and Davey and all the, the crew at the BDE on whatever Thursday morning brings to them. God knows. Um, and we will be uh, probably in, in, a, in a better state on Thursday morning than then. That is my bold proclamation. We'll see. My, my kid just got his uh, two-month vaccinations, and he's, he's going to have a – I'm going to have a pretty tough evening, I'm, I'm predicting. So we'll see who comes out better on, on Thursday in very different ways. Well, I'm off to, uh, to edit this show together. And, way can we get – I'm not going to do this every show, but uh, every couple of months – can you tell me how the graphic looks for tonight's show? <laughs> what time does Rampage air? <laughs> Was it Out perfect? Of 10. Way? Out of 10. Beautiful yeah. job. Great job, John, as always. Some great content aware filling on my part. <laughs> wow. Danielson's man. forehead was the MVP of tonight's show. John, I, I gave John a little bit of a, of a, you know, Photoshop tutorial the other day. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I got the sense you kind of went into that coming out of it feeling like I knew that I knew that already. Wasn't that helpful? Cause I knew all half the stuff already. Um, and you've really kind of taken to it really well. So very impressed, John. Well, there we go. We will, uh, we will continue to, uh, get, get notes from way along the way. We'll see. We'll see when I have to rely on a, uh, on a non-professional photo and I've got to get into the hue and the saturation. We will we'll see. That's, <laughs> that's why I'm really going to be put to the test, everyone. Ooh. All right. That's it. Uh, thanks to everybody for joining us tonight. A little later start than usual, but, uh, we hope you enjoyed this, this dual, uh, television slash live review of Dynamite. Subscribe Toronto. to the YouTube channel if you're watching us right now. All 200 plus of you hit the like button, hit subscribe. It's literally the least there. you can do. Subscribe to the channel and just like take us, take us to that next level. Subscribe and, uh, you can catch us live multiple nights a week. That's it. Good night.